um, we are starting a new message series called Your Words. Double meaning, God, your words and our words, meaning your words and my words, they're really important, aren't they? And, and as I've been, been studying and preparing the series, it's, it's really been incredibly uh, emphasized to me how important, how significant our words are. We can build up or we can tear down with our words, can't we? The Bible tells us there's power of life and death in the words we speak, power to create or destroy, power to bless or curse, power to build up or tear down. The title of this message is called, Words Connect Us. Anybody like me ever grow up hearing your grandmother or your mom or somebody say these words? Maybe a teacher said these words to you and you learned to say them, uh, and you can say it with me if you want, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will what? Will never, is that true? No, it's not true. Why? Parents, stop saying that to your kids. It's not true. The Bible tells us that is not true. So do this for me. Um, grab your tongue with your, just grab your tongue with your fingers. Just grab your tongue there. Don't, don't even think about the 14 hands you shook on the way in here this morning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you don't, if it grosses you out to grab your own tongue, just reach to your neighbor and grab their tongue. <laughs> uh, what I want to point out is, you, if you're holding your tongue, if you still had the, you know, the courage to do that, um, then you hold between your two fingers the most powerful, significant, amazing muscle in your life. And you realize that muscle will be the one muscle in your body that even as you get older, it's not going to degenerate or deteriorate in any way. You ever notice that? That one's going to be working right up until just, just before you take your last breath. And that muscle, the one that's inside your mouth, your tongue, James talks a lot about that. In this series, we'll get into what James has to say. And, and keep in mind, this message this morning is an introduction to the series we're going to get into some really important, really specific instruction on the use of words in the next few weeks. I'll, I hope you'll be here for every single Sunday. Again, it's encouraged me to just do the study and the preparation for this time. Your tongue and my tongue, the Bible tells us there's power of life and death in our tongue. Just just think about that for a second. You believe that's true? I do. See, we were made in the image of God. And so he gave us the ability, like he has, he gave us the ability to speak. We're the only animal on the planet that has the ability to reason and speak and communicate with words. And the reason that is is because we're made in God's image. We're made like him. And we, he, because we're made like him, he has given us some, not all, but some of the ability that he has. Remember, when God created the earth, he spoke and light was separated from darkness. Plants and trees and life emerged on the planet because God spoke it and it was so. God breathes and whole universe springs into existence. Galaxies, stars, amazing. And God gives us some 
of his ability to speak and create and to destroy. We can speak, we can we we give us the ability to speak and relate and love and even hate with our words, with our tongue. And we we express this and much more than this with words. So this series is going to reveal some very practical, powerful, personal ways that your words and my words have the power to order our lives and align our lives with God and His will or not. Maybe, maybe, our, maybe your words have been used at times like mine have to misalign me and God's will and God's ways. See, everything God created, He created with words. Uh, think about it this way. You know, we've all watched, we all experience marketing on a daily basis. Some of you are in the areas, of, work in the areas of marketing and advertising and so. Isn't it amazing how, how much time and money gets spent by uh, advertising executives and, and experts crafting just the right phrase? Just putting the words together just the right way so that we'll remember it. We could probably sing some of the songs that we've heard, some of the jingles, some of the slogans, some of those phrases, because they stick with us. So words are very important. So, you know, sometimes we think our words are very important, and we, I don't know if you notice this, or if, you, or if you're like me, but sometimes I want my, I want God to align His will with my words. Anybody else? Am I the only one in the room that wants that to happen? What if I spent more time aligning my will with God's words rather than expecting God to align His will with my words. Think that would change things in my life or, or maybe in yours as well? I think maybe it would. We need, to, we need to get our words to agree with God's words and spend less time trying to get God to agree with ours. So Proverbs 18, if you're there, I hope you are. Proverbs 18, verse 20. The fruit of a man's mouth... With the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach will be satisfied. He will be satisfied with the product of his lips. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. The author of Proverbs here is saying, you're either going to lean toward life or you're going to lean toward death. And that's going to cause you to speak and think and live and act and decide and relate in those types of ways. We all know people, don't we, that everything's just always down and always difficult and always, they're just about, you know, it's kind of the Eeyore personality in Winnie the Pooh. Oh, it's okay. They're kind of leaning on the death side of the equation. And they seem to speak those words. And on the other hand, we know the tiggers in life and, and they're just, everything's up and everything's wonderful. Woohoo! Right? Speaking those kinds of words, it makes a difference, doesn't it? You see the ways God, the, the importance of words. See, I think this is way more significant than we realize. I think it's way more significant than what we realize. Last summer, Kathy and I had some vacation time, and we took off to California and spent some time in Yosemite National 
Park. Anybody gone to Yosemite to see? When you were in Yosemite, did you see the giant sequoias? Anybody ever seen those giant trees? They're way, I mean, if you haven't seen them, I can't describe how significant they are to you. You have to see one to experience the significance of it. So let me try to describe it to you. You know that the, that the largest sequoia is, just lacks about 10 or 12 feet being as tall as the epic center. You're, you're familiar with the epic center, right? You, from, from Wichita? You should go, whoa. It just lacks a few feet being as tall as the epic center. The largest one is 36 feet in diameter. Not in circumference, diameter. You know, that's about the width of this platform. It's, they're so big, so significant. We tried to take some pictures. You can't even take a picture of a sequoia tree and, get, and do it. You can't even get the whole tree in the picture. They grow so much every year. They grow the equivalent of a 50-foot tall, one-foot one diameter tree. That's how much they add to their volume every year. Why am I talking about sequoias and how significant they are, how giant they are, and how impossible it is to, to really comprehend? Because that's the way it is with words. The words we speak are way more significant. We can't really comprehend the significance, how high and how wide and how massive they are in our lives. Every single one of us. But we live in a world full of words. And we have a tendency to think they're just benign. They're just a way to communicate concepts and facts and thoughts. They're way more important and way more significant than that. Let me ask you a question. Do you agree with everything God says? It's not a trick question. I mean, it's just a simple question, right? Do you agree with everything God says? Want to say it together? Yes. Yes, we agree with everything God says. So another related question. When you speak the words that regularly come from your mouth, do those words agree with what God says? Or do those words always agree or sometimes agree with something God would never say? So here's, the, here's another way to ask that same question. When you speak the words that come out of your mouth, are those words of life or are they words of death? Are they words of building up or are they words of tearing down? Are they words of encouragement or discouragement? What are, because one will agree with God and one does not. If we agree with everything God says, the words that come out of our mouth should be agree, in agreement with what God says. Do you agree with that? Most of you agree with that? Are you releasing with the words of your mouth the power of life or the power of death? Because God's word, we already read it, says there's power, the power of life or death in our words, in our tongue. And we already said we agree with that. So number one, if you're taking notes, and I hope you are, grab your outlines, follow along. Um, 
Point one is God connects us to himself with his words. He connects us to himself with his words. Words are the vehicle God used to connect us. We're separated from God because of sin. And so God sent his word into the world to connect us to himself. In the Gospel of John, the very first chapter, the very first verse says, In the beginning was the word. That word is capital word. It's capital W because it represents, it stands for Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word, Jesus, was with God, and the Word, Jesus, was God. In the beginning, when God created everything, Jesus is the Word of God. And so Jesus came, God sent Jesus to earth to be the living, breathing Word of God. Jesus said more so many times. He said, I came so that you would know what the Father is like. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've heard me, you've heard the Father. If you've listened to me, if you've watched me, if you know me, you know the Father. He bridged the gap of separation between us and the Father. It's pretty significant, isn't it, what God does with words? God uses words to connect us to himself. And he used the word, the only word, Jesus, to connect us and bridge the gap that exists between us and him because of the separation we have in sin. If you skip on down in chapter 1, in the Gospel of John, verse 14, and the word, Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. The passage is connected to Psalm 107, in verse 20, where it says, He sent His Word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. God sent His Word. He sent His, his Son, Jesus, to save us, to, to rescue us, to connect us, to be a bridge we could walk across to experience the presence of God. In Romans chapter 10, verse 8, Paul writes, But what does it say? The Word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart, that is, the word of faith which we are preaching, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. Verse 13, for whoever will call with their mouth will call. On the name of the Lord will be saved. So God reaches us with his words. He connects us with his words. And when we confess with our words, we are speaking. Because God has given us the ability to speak into reality something that didn't before exist. He gives us the ability to speak into reality our confession, which makes it real. It isn't just a thought, it isn't just a theory, it isn't just an idea. When we speak it into reality and we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord, it's real in our spirit and in our soul. It's way more significant than we thought, isn't it? We speak and our confession becomes reality. In Matthew chapter 12, Here's, a, here's another place where God reveals to us how significant our words are. 
Matthew chapter 12, verse 31. Therefore, I say to you, any sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven people, but blasphemy against the Spirit shall not be forgiven. Whoever speaks, here it is again, when we speak a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven him, either in this age or in the age to come. Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to come back and talk about that in a minute, so don't get too worried or nervous about that yet, because I'm going to, you're okay. Don't worry. If you're here, you've not blasphemed against the Holy Spirit, so don't, don't get nervous. Let me come back and talk more about that in a moment. He goes on, and this is the deal. We need to keep reading what Jesus says. He goes on in verse 33 and says this. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. Just pause for a second. Let me explain. When Jesus is talking here, he's talking about, he's using picture language. And he's saying, our, our tree is our heart. Our tree, the, the tree here he's talking about is the heart, and the fruit is the mouth. That's why the Bible says in another place, Jesus quotes this passage of Scripture from the Old Testament. He says, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So out of a tree, the tree bears fruit that the tree bears, doesn't it? That's what he's saying here. Out of our heart, our mouth speaks. Our heart is known, the condition of our heart is known by the way we speak, by the words we say, the condition of our heart is known. He goes on to say in verse 34, you brood of vipers. He's talking to a group of religious leaders, and they've been speaking evil against the Holy Spirit. He says, how can you, being evil, speak what is good? For the mouth speaks out of which fills the heart. The good man brings out of his good treasure what is good the evil man brings out of his evil treasure what is evil but i tell you that every careless word ever speak a careless word every careless word that people speak they shall give an accounting for it in the day of judgment for by your words you will be justified and by your words you will be condemned Again, Jesus is confronting a group of religious leaders who are attributing the works of the Holy Spirit to the devil. They're blaspheming against the Holy Spirit. Jesus actually says these words to them to rescue them from themselves. He's not necessarily speaking condemnation. He is wanting to rescue them. He's saying, stop doing what you're doing. You don't even realize the significance of your words. Now, just so you know, someone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit and continues to do so, that sin that's not forgivable, that's unpardonable, is someone who finally says, you know, I, they completely reject God and everything about God. And they no longer care anymore. That's blasphemy. So, if, because you're here, you're okay. Yeah, that's good. Thank you. You have nobody here has blasphemed against the Holy Spirit. 
not that you would. Now, it's because of a hard heart that these leaders had nearly had nearly completely turned away from God, and Jesus is wanting to rescue them. Now, it's hard to, for us to imagine in our small minds, but God tells us in his word that he records, he remembers everything we say. Now, can you imagine for a second with me? Can you imagine if, if everything you have ever said, we would, just, we would just put in a video on the screen behind me? For some of you, that would be a long video. Now don't, no, no, don't, don't anybody say amen or, you know, elbow or don't. Can you imagine that? What would, what would that be like if everything you've ever said and done would be on the video screen behind me? God records, God remembers, he tells us. Every word stores up everything in his mind. But because of grace and his amazing love for us, he sent his perfect word, Jesus, to bridge the separation between us. And the Bible tells us, God's word tells us, that the blood of Jesus covers our iniquity, our sin, and that he, he loves us. And in fact, he even comes against the one who accuses. Revelation chapter 12 says, Satan himself accuses God, accuses the brethren. He accuses us in front of the throne of God. And then it goes on to say, but the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony overcomes the power of the evil one. Think your words aren't significant? They are, aren't they? So first, God connects us to himself with his words. Secondly, we connect one another with words. We connect with God and we connect to one another. Proverbs 18, let's continue on. Verse 21 Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Notice God puts marriage, the marriage relationship, right next to this passage of Scripture. I think that's important. I think that's intentional. It isn't just random that God would put that right here next to what we, to the significance of what we're talking about. The significance of our words. If you have a good marriage relationship, I was just talking to somebody earlier, been married 44 years. If that marriage is a good relationship, and it is, it's because of the words that have been spoken. If it's not a good relationship, it may be because of the words that have been spoken or not spoken. So if you have a bad marriage, it could be because of the words that have come out of your mouth. But you can speak into, the, into your marriage relationship words that will build it up. The good news in all of this is it doesn't matter how many bad words you've said or how many ways you've torn down, you can always stop and begin to build up. It's never too late. I knew a man one time who was in his, well up into his 60s and he had three kids, and none of them wanted to have anything to do with them. And they would all say, my dad has never spoken a single healthy, good, positive word to me. I've never heard him bless me. He's never said, I love you. He's never said, I'm proud of you. I've never heard those words. And when, when this friend of mine began to recognize the significance of what he had done in the relationship with his kids, he was so, and he'd come to know the Lord by now, 
He was so filled with grief. And I said, but it's not too late. It's not too late. It's never too late to speak words of blessing and life and encouragement to build up, to change, to allow God to change the direction of your heart and life and mind. It's never too late to start speaking life rather than speaking death, to start speaking blessing instead of cursing. It's to start speaking words that would come and agree with what God has to say instead of wanting God to agree with what we have to say. It's true in every relationship. Ephesians chapter 5, Paul talks about the significance of the relationship between husband and wife. Ephesians 5.25, he says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church. Now pay close attention to what he's going to say here. And gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify, which is set apart and purify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water. I'm going to say these last three words. With the word. Jesus purifies, sanctifies, builds up, edifies, and and causes the church, his bride, that's you and me, to be built up with his word. And Paul is saying, husbands, that's what you need to do with your wives, for your wives. Build her up with your words. Husbands, are you building her up? Are you purifying her? Are you sanctifying her with your words? Or are you sandblasting her? Sometimes Kathy and I listen to what couples say to one another. And we're kind of surprised at the ways couples talk to one another. And we realize that if they're talking that way to one another in front of us, I wonder what they're saying to one another behind closed doors or to their children or to their friends, or to their other family members, or to people they say they love. It's so important, isn't it? Proverbs 31 talks about the attributes of a godly woman. I won't read the passage, but it talks about the fact that the elders sit in the gate of the city talking about this woman's husband because she's built him up so much. Ladies, you may have the kind of husband that you have, the kind you've made with your words. Same is true with husbands. Husbands, you may have the kind of wife you have made with your words. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Use your tongue to speak life and health and value into your wife or into your husbands. Wives, you know, I can, I can tell you from a husband's perspective how important this is. I think it's equally important both ways. But I can tell you, and, and I think every husband and every man in the room would agree that we're, you know, as men, there's a lot of fear we deal with on a daily basis. Guys, isn't that true? 
Every guy in the room will say, absolutely, we deal with fear on a daily basis of some kind or another. We, that's one of our big battles. And one of our fears as husbands, and one of our concerns, one of the things that matters most to us is what does our wife think about us and what is she going to say to us? Wives, I'm telling you, I think I can safely speak for every husband in the room. This is way more significant, way more important than you may realize. The words you say to us, and I know the words we say to you, so incredibly important. Build us up. We will build you up with our words. I'm kind of thinking it may be a quiet car ride on the way home. Here's seven humble words for, for healing every relationship. If you have a relationship that need to, needs to be healed, write these words down. If you weren't taking notes yet, take notes now, okay? Seven humble words for healing every relationship. And they are this. I was wrong. Will you forgive me? I was wrong when I did that. I was wrong when I said that. I was wrong when I made that decision. I was wrong when I spoke to you the way I did. I, I was wrong when I had that attitude. Whatever it is, I was wrong. Will you forgive me? You know, don't, don't catch yourself saying something like, you know, I need to ask for your forgiveness. You ever heard somebody say that? Every time I hear somebody say, I need to ask for your forgiveness, I want to say, well, then ask. Then do it. You know you need to. Or sometimes we say, and we teach our kids this, right? We say, you know, uh, say you're sorry. Say you're sorry. And we learn to say our, we're sorry as if that's a pass. It's not bad to say you're sorry, but follow it up with, and will you forgive me? Sorry is contrition. Asking for forgiveness is humbly putting down yourself to say, I'm asking you to forgive the debt that was created when I said something I shouldn't have said to you or when I did something to you I shouldn't have done or when I wronged you, when I offended you, when I violated the trust in our relationship, I damaged it and I created a debt that now I'm asking you to forgive so that the slate will be wiped clean and we can start over. Rebuilding trust and rebuilding relationship by building one another up with the power of our words. Kathy's dad um, passed away in 1999. <laughs> Kathy's dad was a good man, but he never knew how to say what he needed to say. His first heart attack he had on Kathy's 10th birthday. And then on her 30th birthday, he had a massive stroke. And he was never again able to speak. 
He couldn't communicate in any way. Something was severed in the communication portion of his brain. He couldn't even write as much as he tried and as much as he wanted to. He lived for seven and a half years with the inability to speak, the inability to use his right arm. But the one thing I know, he would have given anything in that seven and a half years to say what he had never said to his family, to his wife, to the people who matter to him. He tried to write it. He tried everything he could. So he would hug and he would laugh and he would smile and communicate with nonverbals. Friends, don't wait another day to understand the significance of your words, to say what needs to be said, to build up and not tear down, to create and not destroy, to give life and not death, to agree with what God says rather than trying to get God to agree with what we want to say. Don't go another day. Some of you will need to leave here and pick up the phone and call somebody and say what needs to be said. Some of you need to go home. Some of you in the car ride home with your spouse, you need to say, honey, there's some things I need to say to you and I want to build you up. I love you. So at the end of this message, at the end of our time, if, uh, if the worship team will come on up, let me ask you this question. It's the same question we ask every week here because it isn't just my words that we're listening to this morning. God is speaking to us with his word. What's he saying to you? What's he been saying to you in this time we've had together? And how can you respond to that? How is he asking you to respond to what he's saying to you? Would you bow your heads? Close your eyes. Let me just ask you, if you're here this morning and you know that God's been speaking to you, would you just confess that and just raise your hand and say, yeah, he's speaking to me, he's talking to me. Thank you. Hands all over the room. So if God is saying to you, there's something I need to say to you. There's something I want you to hear. There's some ways I want to shift and transition your heart so that your heart lines up with mine. Whatever God's saying to you, I hope you'll respond. We're going to sing a song in a moment. And during that time, if God's speaking to you, I want you to respond and come and pray. I want you to get up and walk to the front And make a commitment here at an altar to agree with what God has been saying to you. Father, as we worship, as we sing, as we respond to you, I pray you'll lead us. Transform our minds, our hearts, and our lives today so that our words and our hearts are in alignment with your words and your heart so that we do your will.
your good, pleasing, and perfect will. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me? If God's been speaking to you, if you want to come and pray about anything at all, don't hesitate, don't be ashamed, don't be embarrassed. Just come and, and pray. And someone will be here to pray with you if you'd like to have someone pray with you. But respond to what God is saying to you this morning.